Today on Talk About That, we launch our inaugural video episode, which makes us even more self-conscious, if that's possible. John gets ready to go on a cruise and talks about the most embarrassing thing happening in Mount Julia, Tennessee. Meanwhile, I rant about crypto and NFTs like an old man shouting at the clouds and try to ease my own mind about the coming robot takeover. Also, a conversation about forecasting and how our expectations and systems can make us feel safe or threatened. Today's episode is not sponsored by seat warmers. We're only called that because Rear Defroster was already taken. Let's do this. A very special episode. We are our first video episode, Johnny. Let's talk about that. This is what we look like, you guys. We're, we're, we apologize. Yeah, so if you're listening right now on your favorite podcast app, mm-hmm. uh, and you're like, wow, I've always wondered what they look like. Well, there's like a cartoonic, uh, you know, representation of us right. on you, the logo. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I look a lot like that guy. We've had to adjust it a couple of times because when it was originally drawn, my face was fatter, and then my face got thinner, and now I'm kind of in between. Those are fun conversations. I'm so like, settling... I'm, I'm trying to settle on a face. How vain did you feel when you came to me? You were like, hey, listen, the logo well, needs to be adjusted. I've lost weight. And my face is smaller. Look, I agreed. I was like, hey, yeah. On this week's Talk About Fat, <laughs> <laughs> Johnny's incredibly insecure. Yeah, I don't know. It's just that thing of, you know, you, you want to look your best. I think about that a lot because I just did a taping on Monday yeah. at Zany's for a TV show. Mm. And uh, Circle Network, right? Season two of Circle Network's Stand Up Nashville live from Zany. So they asked me to come back and do another set, which is so cool. And I was so honored. But I started getting nervous. And because uh, I've gained, I've put on a little bit of weight, like 10 pounds or something. I'm like, ah, oh, geez. And because I was looking at the clip from the other one, I was like, man, I looked better in that clip. And then I was just like, nobody gives a crap. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, nobody, like, if you go to see a comedian, you don't care. You just don't, I don't want to be like distractingly unattractive right but like being attractive as a comedian is not only not necessary it's probably a, it's not good yeah you know what i'm saying like people want to get their comedy from ordinary people but if we took your capacity of how good you could look that's what i'm saying you know what i'm saying like i can't get out of my own could head you with... ever get to a place where it was like oh no this guy's too good looking for me to really no no there's comedy. my yeah, ceiling it's like when you it's like when you're recruiting like a basketball player and you go like well his ceiling is up there like i don't have a high ceiling no I don't have, a but I have like a low floor, <laughs> you know, like I know what I could be and it's job of the hut. <laughs> yeah. I, um, so you don't want that. It's that same thing. I told Laura the day is like, I'm at this place in life where I'm improving myself, but the, 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 the margins are much smaller now. Yeah. It's like, okay, I don't really know what I'm doing. Most people are not going to be able to notice. Like I can gain and lose 15 pounds and people don't notice. Yeah. And it's not because I don't look different. Yeah. It's because they're not looking at me. You know the what I'm saying? People like care. They, you know who they're looking at? They're looking at themselves. There you go, guys. They only care about how they... That's your episode. That is it. Because we are out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Look at, your, look at yourself in the mirror, folks, at home. <laughs> no, we do. But I get in my own head about it. But I was also like worried about my choices. So it's, it's dumb because you worry about the things that you can control. And you think, well, all right, so I'll go on a crash diet 10 days before the taping or whatever. And then you go, well, that doesn't work. And then you go like, but really, what you should be thinking about is what jokes am I going to tell? Right. 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 <laughs> what about the? What about what people really are there to do, which yeah. is laugh at you? But it is interesting, and I've thought about that forever because we were in a band together, and I remember when we went to do our record, <laughs> the producer was like, he liked us a lot, Travis Wyrick. He was so great to us, and he liked our music, 
And then he started sending it out to people who were label executives as it was getting close to being finished. He was mastering the project. Yeah. And he was like, I've sent this to a couple of record label. And he goes, they sent me back an email immediately and said, what am I looking at? That was literally what the email said. Uh, so it was like, hey, they sound great. What, what am I looking look at? Like? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he was just like, he goes, that's a thing. And I go, okay. you know. And so we did our whole thing. But you do. You go, you get in your own head. But I have found that like people love getting their music from attractive people, but they don't necessarily need to get their comedy from attractive people. Yeah. In fact, it's a little bit of a disadvantage right. to be really attractive because it's like – if you're going to talk about like your problems in your life, like a lot of comedies is focused on like, people assume you have no problems. People assume you have no problems, right. and so it's immediately you're in a hole you have to dig right. out of. Whereas when they look at me, they go, "That guy's got problems." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm. There's been several like writing meetings I go to, yeah, and they're big for me. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm just the collaborator at the table often, so it's like the other people are the actual talent. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Hired to help them. You're, and I'm in a, in wrestling. They would call you enhancement talent. <laughs> really, that's what they used to call it. There's like re, there's words for it. There's all this lingo in wrestling. Uh, I don't know if you know about that. But, you uh, know, don't, there's like, I don't, Johnny. I'm there's not. like there's like kayfabe, which is wrestling for like um, you don't let the audience in on the illusion that this is real, even right. though everybody kind of knows it's not real. Right. Like if two people are feuding, you don't like take the car to the venue together. Yeah, like that's what happened to the Iron Sheik and Hacksaw Jim Dugan in the '80s. They were on the way somewhere to a show, and they're feuding in the storyline. You know, the Iron I mean, Sheik. But in real this, life, they're grabbing a real beer life, together. Yeah, they, they. Well, what happened was they got pulled over, and there was cocaine in their car. Oh, they were grabbing a cocaine. They were grabbing together. A cocaine together. <laughs> and so then they get arrested, and uh, the, I think one of them got fired. Or maybe both of them got fired and then later rehired, but they got fired not because of the cocaine, but because they broke kayfabe. But anyway, there's a thing called a jobber, which is uh, you do what's called a squash match. So if you got like King Kong Bundy or Hulk Hogan or one of these big like monster guys they had, you would have these matches where they would just go in and beat this guy down for four minutes. You've seen him on TV where it's like, well, this guy's not got a chance. He's 150 pounds or whatever, and Hulk Hogan's just going to like do eight body slams on him and pin him. Well, those used to be called like jobbers. You're doing a job for somebody. But what the WWE started calling them was enhancement talent (laughs) because you're making the other guy. Some people call them carpenters because you're building the illusion that this guy's a monster who can't be beaten because you hit him with a chair and he just turned around and looked at you. Well, that's enhancement talent. That's what you are, John. All I I have to say is if you were a wrestler, you're enhancement talent. Well, and and I don't know. I don't know what the equivalent is to uh, WW. Are we we calling it? It's E now. It's E now. Yeah. Yeah. But for the sued. writing world, like I find myself, and sometimes I use it. Like I got this meeting coming up, or I have this interview. Now, interviews are difficult. Are, are different. It's di- difficult. It's never difficult to say. <laughs> <laughs> but when I did was like Good Morning America was coming up. Yeah, I was like, okay, I'm using this as motivation to lose 15 pounds. Yeah. Now, it probably doesn't matter at all. Right. And I am a co-author, but you know, it really doesn't matter. Like I'm not. Yeah. I'm on the camera. I'm talking to my, as myself, but no one really, like you said, don't want to be distractingly whatever. But this is not going to make that big of a difference. Um, but, but if you know you're going to be on TV, it can help me advance though my own. Like, okay, well that's 15 pounds. I probably wasn't going to lose without true. this. Yeah. So I just use sometimes those things as motivation. Did you do it? I did. You did do it. I did. I gained almost all of it back before we got home from New York. At the the minute. <laughs> You went at eight then, pieces of New York pizza. I went pizza. out after that, and we ate everything in New did York. Did you get New York was. pizza when you were there? I did. 
I so did. I've talked to you about this before, but you know what? I found out why New York pizza is the best pizza. Did we talk about this? Uh, because of the water. It's the water. So you, we must have talked about it. Yeah, the tap water they make the dough with. Yeah. The flavor of the tap water has kind of got a, there's a sweetness to mm-hmm. it, I guess. Well, they say New York. Someone told me before I went. New York City tap water is the cleanest. Yeah, like it's in the America. cleanest in the world. But it's there's just no impurities in it, and so for whatever reason that flavor stays in the dough, and that's why New York pizza is the best pizza. Man, come on, guys, <sighs> isn't that just like though our own pizza? Uh, wait, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a um, I don't know the the weight thing. Like, so we're going on a cruise soon. Yeah. And so I'm trying to lose a little bit. But you know on the cruise you're going to just let it all right. go. And that's the whole point. I was like, okay, this is less about how – But I guess I'll... if you show up fat, right. then you go to the cruise. I told Laura, this buffet. is really not about how I'm going to look on the cruise ship to yeah. a bunch of strangers. Because right. at this point in life, guys, it really doesn't matter. No. So they're not looking at me anyway. And so it's fine. Yeah. And I'm happy and everything's fine. Nobody cares about – that's the thing is like we do. We worry, we worry about it, but like people mostly think about themselves. Yeah. If they have the – the wherewithal to stop and really be like, ooh, that guy, I'm like, okay. At this point, the the opinion that they are yeah. giving towards me is like whatever. So I, and I look in a mirror, I do that. Yeah, like, yeah. But anywho, <laughs> the, but I'm going now to just think, I know I'm going to gain yeah. five to seven pounds probably. Maybe not, but I probably will. So I'd if rather – If you have a good time, you're going to do that. Yeah, so I'd rather go ahead and lose that five to seven so that I'm just kind of replenishing it. The only way not to gain weight on a cruise is to have a terrible time at the cruise. Yeah, like get sick. Yeah, if you were sick on the cruise, right. Right. you'd be like, man, I lost weight on this cruise. If, like, if you come home from a cruise and you go, I lost weight, they'd be like, what happened? Right. <laughs> they would immediately – you know, you had dysentery. They right. would not be like, oh, well, he's really fit. Well, yeah. I am prepping in case scurvy breaks out. Uh, lots of lines. Well, it could be COVID. You know, that's the thing. These these ships go out, and then one person gets it, and then everybody to their stateroom. Is that what's going to happen to you? So the ship— It's April, right? The ship requires— coming up. Yes. The ship requires you to be vaccinated. Yeah. And if you're—unless you're under 12— But does that protect you against Omicron? That's the question. And then the kid has to—well, and you have to produce a negative test— Okay. Two days before you leave, that you do produce a, it. Pr- <laughs> <laughs> Is this your card? And you just hand it to them. Wonderful. It's a. Uh, it's a. Um, but the, you have to buy their test. Yeah. And then you have to do it with a teledoc. This is. This seems yeah. like such a racket. Now oh. I hate to be that guy, but like you've got to buy their test. Their test. Hold is, on. Their test, and this is true. Well, I guess that's because there could be fraudulent tests. That's out correct. There. But you show up with your like magic marker. Hey. It looks so much. These new COVID tests look so much like pregnancy tests. Oh, they really. Do. It's so funny because the one I, the first one I ever took, and I think the only one I've ever taken, is uh, was a digital app thing, and it Bluetooth to your phone. I was like, this is technology, and uh. it, it counts down, and it goes boop, 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 negative. You get to go to Cancun or whatever. I want that. But Mine was like, no. Cut to okay. Here's the funny uh. part. Was so I, we talked about this on the episode before I went to Cancun. I was like, I was so yeah. nervous. So I get this one from Walmart or whatever, and it gets shipped to my house. And I did it. It was an app, and it was the whole thing. And you set it, and you put the fluid on the thing. And then your phone's like three feet from it, and I'm just. And then the app starts counting down, and I can't remember the brand name. So I go to Cancun. I come back, and luckily we tested negative in Cancun. We were able to come home. And like two weeks later, I get an email from Walmart.com that says we are recalling all of these. Wow. Because they were giving false positives and false negatives. Wow. So I was just like, so the Bluetooth ones were junk. So we do this. It's funny. Like the analog two-stripe test is still the best thing. But it looks so much like a pregnancy test to me. And the little blue – so so just the the liquid going over the non-control side yeah. looks 
Like you could see a faint line, right? Even when it's not there. Uh huh. And I was and like, "Won't that preach?" If boy, come on, guys. Some of us think. Listen, some of us think we're already positive, but actually, we're negative. Mm, wait, it's Hold kinda... on. You think <laughs> you think of yourself as a positive person, but no. The truth is, there's a faint blue line. Mm-hmm. Wait, a thin faint. No, a let's thin... not go there. Yeah. We get into the politics of all this. That's true. So, anyway, so it's a yeah. But, I couldn't tell. I was so like, buy the, can you, we not make this clear in yeah. 2022? And then, that's, but you got to buy their test. And you do it on site, and it's an instant test. Not on site. You go teledoc. Oh, okay. With their people beforehand, okay. and I will say, I believe it's the same brand test that we've ordered, but it was about double what you would order if you didn't order it through Royal Caribbean. Not a sponsor. So no. um, probably won't be. But that's probably because they set it up with the teledoc. It's probably all that's included. You're paying extra for the services of their, you know. This whole teledoc thing, I'm kind of glad that there's like that's available as a thing now because my wife does this sometimes too and she gets like a sinus infection and she'll just be like, hey, can you call me in a Z-Pack? But they still charge you a lot of money for this. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like e-books. Like e-books cost as much as printed books and I just sit around going, it's a file. You could just push – Copy paste a thousand times. Uh-huh. I know why they do it because it put the it's book still industry intellectual out property. of business, right? right. But I just go. At some point, shouldn't this be significantly less because it costs you so much less to make? Sorry, publishers. Yeah, I get it. You're hurting yourself by this. I am opinion, a little bit you know, here, that. but yeah, people. But it's like, like me saying, like, why are people paying for jokes? I'll tell them for free. <laughs> I need attention. Why would you even come to a show? Like if that ever got no, out there, true. which it's re- actually true, honestly. It's That's true. what's so funny is co- comics make money from shows, and they spend almost almost every comic I know. You know, there's like people who make a lot of money at comedy, but most comics, especially when you're starting out, you spend all your money getting to the next show yeah. to tell those same jokes or trying to get on other festivals or trying to like you spend all your money or your website or buying T-shirts to sell at your show. Like you put it all back into the business yeah. because you want to keep doing it. Yeah, and so and then you hope. I mean, eventually you hope to make it self sustaining. But honestly, we just—it's just this cycle of like, I need more people to listen to me. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. No, and that's why my agent won't let me talk numbers with people because right. But the truth is, I believe it's kind of ridiculous that I get paid to do this at all. Yeah. And so I still have that belief. Oh, like, you mean they won't let you negotiate your own fee and things? Well, like that. contractually, no. But they'll especially go, John. Especially you don't. Because you'll be like, I'll do it for whatever. Man, what I do you have? have a great story, and, and I can't believe God lets me do this. I'll be like, what'd you get paid? And you're like, $30 in Kohl's cash? <laughs> I'm writing this guy's book. It's, this McDonald's. It's exciting. Coupon. He said there's like eight ninety nine left on this gift card. <laughs> I looked it up. It was not that much. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things. I think I, I, you get to the place in life where they always say, what's the old adage? You know, things are worth what willing what people are willing to pay for. Yeah. Right. That bugs me, but that is true. That's how it works. Uh-huh. That's that's market. It's like the capitalism. NFT thing. You know anything about the NFTs that are happening? The These N- non fungible tokens. Oh yeah, where like it's like digital art on a blockchain somewhere. Mm-hmm. So you create like a scarcity of this whatever it is. And this is the only one of these in the world, or there's only 500, and then you sell them, and then. But it's so strange because it's becoming like a pump and dump stock thing where. Like an influencer will go like, I bought this, yeah. and then the price will go way up, and then they'll dump it, yeah. and then it's worthless. So it's like it's such a weird casino. They were I, just, don't, I can't imagine them taking off, but I know they will. Like I sound like an old person shouting at the clouds even saying this. I know there are young people who would be like, I have five NFTs, and they're amazing. Or like crypto seems odd to me too because yeah, like, it, really, really it can just tank. And then everybody just goes, yeah, but over the last eight years, it's really doubled every two years or something. And you're like, yeah, but like – if you put all – like people that are putting all their money in crypto, like I don't even know. 
that would that would scare me so much. But if I but I don't understand the stock market either, and I have a lot of stocks. Like I have mutual funds that are my retirement. Yeah. But I don't understand that either. So when it when it goes down, I'm like, oh, I don't know. Uh, I, I guess happen. I guess we're. I'm teetering on the edge of war with Russia, so that means that my retirement sucks now? Like, that doesn't make any sense right. to me. But crypto makes even less sense. And NFTs, I just go, what are we doing? You got a picture of a panda, and now that's worth $32 million? And I'm supposed to believe that? Like, yeah. it just feels like somebody made it up. Right. And, I, and they're, it's like a joke. They're like, let's see if we can get these guys to buy this panda. Well, the picture. purists, though, would say, yeah, but even the stuff you're trading already is not is no longer I, connected to an actual yes. something of value as it is. There's no longer a gold standard. There's right. no longer a silver standard. Well, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. for us to decide this green paper right. is pretty – like, if you ever told aliens, like, this green paper is what we trade for goods and services, they'd be like, why? Yeah. And it's got the picture of this guy on it. Right. And uh, – we liked him a lot at the time. <laughs> now we're like we're we don't know. He owned he owned he, other he owned other people and we're weird about right. it now. He made a lot more of these green things off of those people. Yeah, and we feel weird about it. But anyway, we trade these and then we get uh, food and then they're like, I guess. But like it, yeah. if you look at it objectively, it does not make a lot of sense. We've decided this, well, and then if we run out of it, we go, we'll just print more. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's evolution though. It it at one time meant something. Yeah. It evolved into what it is today. Yeah. It was a dollar's worth of something. I found out that you can't tear Canadian money. At all. You can't tear it. It's, it's unterrible. It's, uh, it's almost like a, it's like a plasticky. Really? It is a funny, funky uh, – it, it, I think it used to be able to tear it. Like I remember when Canadian money was like paper, like our money. Yeah. Or like whatever. It's it's clothy. Yeah. You know, it's not real paper. But anyway, um, now it's like almost plasticky and it's got these little like lithograph – Images in it and huh. all these security measures. Yeah, but it does. It feels. It's very odd. Their money's. Like, it's easy to make fun of other countries' money, but our money's not. Whatever. But it does look like children's birthday napkins. Yeah, I was taking. It's the, very colorful. Was, it's children's birthday. I was taking kids out because I'm. So we have hired, by the way, uh, new student. Oh, we can announce now. I'm not going to say who they are yet. Is there going to be a press conference at the end of this? We're going to have a yeah <laughs> lineup, guys. Um, but. Um, that would be fun to I'm, have a press conference. That would be amazing. With the new youth pastor hiring, they have to answer yeah, questions. That would be great. They have to have a statement they've prepared. A bunch of flashing cameras going off. And uh, Or they could do the thing like the, the guy that uh, Brian Kelly, when he got hired at LSU, and he's like trying to talk. My family, we are so happy. We love He went into like Foghorn yeah. Leghorn to try to like ingratiate himself to the Southern people, even though yeah. he's like from Cincinnati or something. Right. And he just coached at Notre Dame. It was so great. Right. Yeah. And so awkward. Yeah. We're going to win some games up in here. <laughs> Tell you that right now. Some Creole <laughs> shrimp right after. Yeah. And it, well, if you, the other side's bad, though. Remember the guy that came, uh-huh. Donnie Tindall, who right. coached for it, – not Donnie a good Tind- moment in Tennessee basketball Donnie history. Tindall, he cursed on the sidelines. More than any – Well, Kevin O'Neill's the record, right, for Vanderbilt. Oh man! Remember him? Like I liked Kevin O'Neill. I don't. I think he, the curse words were like the standard. It, the other word it was like he mixed in some ands and these <laughs> in between the mfs. Like like yeah, we yeah. measured his language by the number of curse words he did not yeah. use. Right? You give him credit for that. But anyway, Tyndall, I remember like he would get that beat red face too. Though yeah, he got the what's the Butch Jones. Had like a purple hue yeah. to him on the sideline. Yeah. He had an eggplant thing going on. It was, it was like a, that guy in Inside Out, the mm-hmm. little rage guy. Yeah, yeah, they were they were ragers. And and Tyndall, he got fired after one year. Pretty certain. 
again, you measured – again, I'm sorry if he's listening. I may be wrong. But, he's a fan. But the way that it yeah, – well, that would be horrible if he's like a single tear right now is falling yeah. and he has felt redemption through the podcast and we're disparaging him. Not meaning to, but I just know during that period they, they fired him and they almost acted like he cheated so much. Again, you would measure everything off the moments he didn't cheat, like yeah. in terms of recruiting and all this other stuff. But I don't know if that happened. But – uh, he came on. He was not a Southerner and messed up from the get-go because instead of saying the Vols, he was like, we're so excited about the Vols. And he uh, said Vols. Vals. And they – oh, boy, they ate him alive in Knoxville. He probably said Knoxville to like – Oh, not Knoxville. Yeah. So yeah, you got to know who you're with. You got to know, guys. Well, and – but we gave Lane a pass because we kind of thought he's the California cool. We're going to win with him, right? That's the thought. And again, good-looking guy. So you think he got a little bit of a pass, too? Oh, it's my like, goodness. Comes in, good-looking guy, good-looking wife. He's recruited. He had a good recruiting class. Yeah. he was. He's an NFL head coach. You know what I'm saying? There's a so lot. He had pedigree with him. Yeah. So that we were like, all right, let's see what he does. I don't think I gave him the pass. Okay. I didn't. I didn't. I you're didn't care back, for him. You're looking back retroactively. No, no, no. Like, I, I never liked Lane I wanted Kiffin. us to win either way. Whoever yeah. comes and give him a chance, you have no choice. But I remember thinking, I actually like Lane Kiffin a lot more now than I did when he first got hired to Tennessee. Because mm-hmm. I feel like he's kind of grown up, and I see the charm a little different. But he was just too much – he was mouthing too much out of the opening press right. conferences. We can't wait to sing Rocky Top all night after we beat Florida. I was like, oh, man, yeah, don't why do don't this. you give Florida locker room you uh-huh. know, recordings don't so now, poke the bear. So they could kill us, and they did. Um, they did. He had a decent you – know, we almost beat Alabama That's that right. year. They had a lineman who blocked – a lineman blocked two field goals in order for us to lose that game. Uh, that's how close he were. But, and then took his helmet off with no penalty. Oh, well, of course. That was the whole thing. You don't call that an Alabama, bro. But that would have been weird, too, to like stop the game after the block and then be like, now it's a 15-yard penalty, let's re-kick. Like, it would have been a huge controversy. That's they, what they would have done to us. Is that what you think? I, absolutely. You think that the world's against the, the vowels? <laughs> They're against the vowels. <laughs> Speaking of, we did not talk about the fact. We won't talk long, listeners, about this. It's or too late. We've already talked way too much viewers about Viewers as well now. Viewers, we won't talk long about this. Yeah. But Tennessee absolutely dismantled Kentucky the other day. Like, absolutely took Kentucky. We did. And, and then we followed, like, followed up with a loss, though. Well, I kind of expected that loss. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Arkansas is really good. And at home, they're really, really good. Um but, and again, I'm not – you're just going to make fun of me. Why am I going to say this? This is, what, this is what the show is, It John. is. It's about making fun of me. I'm not blaming the refs. Okay. But they called more charges. Rick Barnes himself in the, the press conference, who never blames refs, uh-huh. just said, guys, I'm going to go back and watch the film, uh-huh. and I really hope the refs got all these right. Like, if they called this, I, I hope we actually did it. Right. Like I want to. I want Has them. Has he followed up with a the next press conference? He said, "I watched the film uh-huh. and I still don't feel any better." Is uh-huh. what he said. So it was. So we have an inside-out offense, Johnny. So when you start calling, so our four top scorers. So we've got a guy who blows his top. We got a guy who's anxious. We got a guy who's. <laughs> I go inside out. Who's envious? I mean, we go into the paint with the ball and then come right. out. But anyway, so it's a, that was good though. And so the the by the way, I'll cry at that movie. That's one of those movies. Really? Cry. That's the one. A lot of it. Jeffrey and I were talking yesterday about it. Like Every there's, Pixar. There's animated stuff, but yeah, you get in that one. Well, man. they do it for the parents. There's always the moment for like adults to it's, be like, we're going to draw you in. It's so like the whole idea of of sadness becoming a part of your reality yeah, that's yeah. important but not overtaking you at some point in Ugh, your adolescence was like, good. wow. You know, that's recovery, bro. I mean like yeah. somehow dealing with the negative emotions – 
because your your early childhood ideas, no negative emotions, you know. Right, right, right. And so I think that's been a part of my journey. I feel like we're in that now too. Like we're accepting it more, but then you also see people in culture that are like, um, you know, we're we we do we we're trying to out convenience. We're just trying to make all the conveniences to isolate ourselves, insulate ourselves from yeah. feeling things. So we do it with money, we yeah. do it with pleasure, we do it with whatever. Instead of like, oh, I should just sit in this emotion and feel it or whatever. Yeah, there's like a time limit we'll give you to sit in emotions. Yeah. Um, but then I do think that there's also the other yep. swing of that where everything's referred to as trauma now. Mm-hmm. Like every, everything that happens is traumatic. And I just think that, that it takes the the real meaning of that word away almost. And I don't want to, if somebody feels like they've experienced trauma, I don't want them to be like, he's talking to me. Like, I don't know everybody's life, but right. everything that bad that happened to me is not traumatic. Well, and there's some sort of like weird, like the language like trauma or language like, because, because what, one of the things we really try to do now in ministry, you know, is do no harm in a way. That's the Hippocratic oath. No, I'm aware. And applying that to, like, man, we can do a lot of harm with how we react right now to the way someone's expressing what it is they've experienced. We can be, I think in my early years, especially as a teacher, mm-hmm. I'd be quicker to be dismissive of like, hey, dude, tough up. You can do this. It's just a math problem, you know, kind of thing. And I think there's some of that's good. Um, and then Sadie would just ball. <laughs> well, it's like, how do you find, how do you help people persist forward? Yeah. You know, to persevere through their problems. This is kind of the that what we would think of as the American ethic. Mm-hmm. You know, hey man, pull yourself up and go. Right. But right now, pull yourself up by your bootstraps is a negative expression in modern American culture for many reasons. Because again, Martin Luther King, it, it is a cruel thing to tell a man with no boots to pull himself up by his bootstraps. Yeah. So you, there's so many like varying, conflicting contexts that go along with common American ideals that we're grappling with now because those ideals were often more um, perpetuated by and pointed towards a very particular population, a majority culture, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that, okay, you're saying this as an American ideal when you're not letting others even have the same rights as all Americans. So, so that, that if you, so if you're into the sort of Racial side of things, civil rights side, yeah, I mean, th- that's why we have to deal with the equalization of that to go, oh, wow, we're saying my grandfather believed that while my black brother's grandfather may have believed that as well but had, you know, a third right. of, of the upward mobility and opportunity right. in Couldn't this country. Couldn't even eat the same restaurants, et cetera, right. yeah. And so, you know, dealing with that downstream, the legacy of that history, and then when you, when you kind of come into, I think, mental health language, you know, and as it relates to ministry, it's very complex because something like we'll say with Sadie – is like, hey, so everybody gets anxious mm-hmm. at some point. Feeling anxious is an emotion in life. Feeling anxious is not the same thing as having clinical anxiety. Yeah. Even though those are the same words. Right, or sad versus clinical depression. Right. Same thing. And we right. even use anxious instead of anxiety. We could say, are you, are you feeling right. some anxiety? But it's now it's now a term that we are trying to be careful and, and, and sensitive with with all of us. Yeah. And to go, okay, so it's okay to feel anxious. To to feel anxious is to feel human. Where it crosses in, man, let's talk to doctors, therapists, let's let's figure out that. But also don't think every time you feel anxious that suddenly you need to give yourself the label of anxiety. Because that also is an overcorrection. So we're trying to let you feel, we're trying to let you articulate what you feel. Let's not overcorrect and suddenly have you diagnose yourself basically and you begin acting as if, oh man. 
I think that's good for all of us. Like, and I don't know where that line is. That's why we need professionals. We need to, you know, talk those things out. Uh, same thing with depression. Hey, everybody feels depressed at some point in time. I would like to point out that we are not professionals. We are not professionals. That's yeah, uh, not even close. But professionals everyone, get paid. <laughs> everyone feels depressed at some point in time. Doesn't mean it's not the same thing as clinical depression. And so, how do you get? You know, I think kids especially yeah. like they kind of want to go. Oh, I have depression. It's like, well. Have you been diagnosed with that? Who have you talked to? What process have you gone through? Yeah. You know, like not – maybe you do. There's no shame in having that. The question is though, are you now reacting to life from a self – a self-given diagnosis based upon a very limited knowledge base because yeah. we are more comfortable in our vernacular expressing those kinds of things? So anyway, yeah. just interesting thoughts. I was a mopey kid for sure, so I felt – I don't know. I don't know if I had clinical depression, but I felt like very like self-aware and I I would – yeah, everything felt like the end of the world. Yeah. You know? But I think that's just hormonal and it's a lot of it. It's just who knows. See, Maybe I if I go back, I would have put me on a bunch of meds. Who knows? I'd be like, you need to get that kid to help. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'd tell Laura time. We agree. Like we – like the, the diagnosis would most definitely be for both of us in some form. I don't know what. Um, I think we should do that. Let's get you both in here and figure out what it is. Yeah, I don't know how we got there. See, I was not a mopey kid, but I was a sensitive kid. Yeah, but I also kind of believed it was all going to work out. Yeah, no, I get that. I don't know where that. I don't. There's a thing about you where you go like, um, I'll talk myself into this. Like you, you have you have like that thing of like, if I think positive things and say positive things, positive things will happen. Like, I don't think you would ever say that, but I think that you're, I don't think I believe that, but there's a chance that I actually do. Yeah. No, I know what you're getting at. Like, I think you're trying to out positive what I'm saying about you. I think you're being like, (laughs) no, that's not true. And if I say it's not true, then it won't be true. No, (laughs) I see you're doing it again. (laughs) And here's why you're wrong. (laughs) I, that's the weird thing. I'm a forecaster of trouble. Yeah. It's what my Enneagram six does. Right. And so I really – No, I don't think you're like some like I'll just put a positive spin on everything. I don't mean that. But I'm way less positive. But I think once you're committed to something, Ooh, you now will – Now you're hitting it. Once you're committed to something, mm-hmm. you will look for the positives because – You've uh, committed to it. Yes, and because like if I accept these negatives, it means that I'm now committed to something that's negative. So that, my friend, you you are you are like – you were speaking Enneagram speaking. Oh, look at this. For a six. Because, Not a sponsor. Because a six is a loyalist. Yeah. And I live to create or to exist within systems I consider to be safe. Uh-huh. And so by systems, that can be a relationship. That can be – so I need relationships to be safe is why I don't ever have unresolved conflict with yeah. anybody that I'm actually friends with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had to learn. So, if to, you have conflict with John, we're not that is unresolved. Friends. He just wants you to know that you're, <laughs> you're not actually his friend. If you have conflict with me that's unresolved, some of that may be my growth. Yeah, because even people you're able to let it go. Even and, people acquaintances, you know, yeah. people, especially like people who leave church and stuff. I realized I, I can't resolve everything in the world and everybody's life. At some point, that's now me being unhealthy. Now, if it's a kingdom uh-huh. lack of resolution, I see a way. But sometimes, me running to say sorry for something that I didn't really do uh-huh. is actually not helping that person become a deeper disciple. Now, I'm always happy. Just, yeah, sometimes it's like people right. like manipulate you. Yeah, I'm just enabling now more negative patterns. To, uh-huh. and I can say, hey, listen, I'm, I, that's really hard because I used to apologize. You may remember this for everything. Yeah. I always thought the best way to end a conversation is to be so humble you just apologize. 
Yeah. And, and I'm sorry we even had this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I do that a lot still, but Canadians get accused of that a lot that they say I'm sorry yeah. like about everything. Yeah, I'm, I'm like so, I'm so sorry about all I mean, this. I'm an emotional Canadian. Terribly sorry about this. <laughs> so I mean, I don't now apologize yeah. like I had I I spoke harshly to my daughter this morning. Mm. I was completely right on the matter. Oh, wow. But I had to apologize for the harshness, which then I feel like confuses someone of her age cuz now it's like Yeah. I'm I'm right, but I was in the wrong tone. I was right in the wrong tone. Yeah, that happens to me a lot. So then I'm like, you know, and this is the weird part. She said, because she was being contrite in response. She's like, well, that's it was my fault. And normally I'd be like, no, 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 no. Like make everybody feel better. I go, well, yeah, but you know what? I don't really care whose fault it was. Yeah. Like it doesn't give me the right. So it's it's like I'm in all of these really nuanced places that normally I would just, but it's important for her. Yeah, I need you to own what you need to own. That's a part of your growth. I don't need to own it. It it might make this all feel better for everybody, <laughs> but I, me owning everybody's thing yeah. is not – it's actually selfish. It's just me getting – it's me ending the conflict and making all this safe again. And I need to live – like you said earlier, I need to live in the fact that everything is not easily resolvable, and that's okay. Yeah, so that's I don't a, like it, but a, you're no, right. I hate it, but I do it. I want everybody to like me. I think that's one of the reasons I do comedy. Well, sure. It's like I want to be – it's like a it's like a way to insulate myself from ever having conflict with people. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he's a funny guy. He makes us feel good. Yeah. So you know, but yeah, it's not. Uh, it's not, it's weird because I don't like that about myself. But I just know that like that's in there. But there's all like good reasons I do comedy too. But I'm saying like, but if I was to look at like the heart of it, like you, if you're not being liked by the audience, you're not very good at the job. Yeah. But then when you translate that to everything else, and you're like, yeah, do you just walk around trying to be liked by everybody? And you're like, kind of. Kind of I do, yeah. Kind of do. <laughs> As it turns out. I think pastoring and comedy have a lot of similarities in that respect. Yeah. It's easy. Look, if you want to grow a church faster, mm-hmm. just be the guy that you never have conflict with people. Right, and tell people what they want to hear and blah, blah, blah. And that's not all watering down the gospel. I'm, not, I'm really not going like super judgy of everyone else out there. I mean, I maybe just suck at growing churches. Like I'm, I'm aware of that. But I I recognize that the easier way, especially in the sermon, would be to only encourage. So, I mean, you know, Scripture says yeah. to rebuke and exhort and correct. Uh-huh. Exhort can mean encourage. Uh, it can also mean teach. But rebuke, correct, exhort, encourage at all times. Like it's saying to do all these things yeah. you know, with this long-suffering, with this patience for people. And it'd be so much easier to do one of them. It would. It'd be and some, some people do the other. They they only warn right. and rebuke. Oh, you can make a total. Well, and again, if we were gonna, if you were, and they think they're doing the real thing, right? Oh, look, I I'm so sick of being that these people got itching ears, and I'm going to be the one that tells yeah. them the hard truth. Right? They never encourage. Yeah, yeah. If you want to go, if you're gonna really nerd out on that, it's actually the polar opposite extremes of the left and the right in terms of politically. Mm-hmm. One, you know. A far, far right fascist viewpoint, right. which if you took into the church matter, is I only yell at people. It means you keep people scared. You also make them mad at a common enemy, and that's yeah. often what that preaching does. And there's a guy, again, very right. There's always somebody to blame for. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and there's always I – mean, we had a guy at Mount Juliet recently. It's all over, so I'm not afraid to say it. I mean a guy who literally has spent two services talking about witches in his church, uh-huh. and then now he's calling them by name, people that he's accusing of being witches. He's saying their names now? Yeah. Wow. I heard he said, I did not see it. Uh, we have our producer today. He needed, he's, yeah, okay. I'm getting a yes that, that 
he actually came the net because he would and, and and he spent the, just the clips I said you know yeah it was like a lot of screaming get out of here it's a literal witch. it's a like literal it's a, witch hunt it is a literal witch hunt and he's, <laughs> we know their first names I can't believe this is twenty twenty we know their address and if you keep coming back next week I'm going to say your name apparently next week he said their name yeah so it's like okay now that's an extremist like. I don't. I don't know what's happening. Like yeah. I, don't, I don't know what gospel's being preached. I mean, I'm not for uh, witchery. <laughs> I'm not endorsing it or witchcraft. Uh, I'm just saying. Like uh, I do like the song "Witchy Woman." It's, it's that good. one. Ooh, witchy woman. Yeah. Yeah. She's got moves. She's in her got the eyes. moon in her eyes. I don't know. It was. I think she's got the moon in her eyes. Oh man, I thought she had some sort of condition where her. She and when the moves we know that when eyes. the moon hits your eye. Like, like a big, a big piece of pie. It's a big pizza, pizza pie. pie. <laughs> Either way, I like both. If it's a piece of pie or a pizza pie. I mean, I guess a pizza pie is a piece of pie. Right. The it's reason they call a pizza piece of pie is because piece, it looks like a pie. Can I get a piece of that pizza pie? Can you put it in here? Because <laughs> that's a moray. Have you me. ever had a hot pizza hit you in the eye? Because no. it doesn't feel like a moray. It doesn't feel like. It no. feels like it hurts. Yeah. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I have some food fights and I have some trauma. Anyway, so then you have the other side, right? Which is the um, we should all have like this equal sense of complete encouragement with no challenge, right? Like I know people that go, my week is so hard. When I come to church, I just I just want someone to tell me it's all going to be okay. You know, yeah. And we certainly lean way. I just need to get some fuel in the tank so right. I can just get down the road. Yeah, I don't need anybody telling me. I'm already, already exhausted. I already please. know all the stuff I need to change in life. You know, yeah. I just need. And, and you know, there's validity to that. Like, I think when people leave our church, if the mission's accomplished, they feel uplifted. But I don't want them you mean to, like leave. Like, <laughs> when no, people yeah. have left when our people church. People have left our church. I think they feel so, really. Yeah, they're like we're finally out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so uplifted <laughs> that we finally left. When people, and I think this is another about the, it's about the philosophy of church. Yeah. We're, we're only talking about a Sunday morning right now and a pastor's 30 to 45 minute sermon. Yeah. We're really not talking about what church is. So if what church is, is seven days a week, like, I mean, I confessed that I yelled at my daughter to my community this morning, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, guys, pr- pray for me. I, I messed this up. I, and I'm intention here that I needed to say what I said. Now you're saying it on a podcast. Oh, jeez. I would have said, yeah, I'm sorry, everybody. And, and I love my kid and I want to do right by her. So I'm going to repent every time. That's that's what I commit to as the ways of God, and hopefully that will make an impact on her and not not just – I don't know. Maybe yeah. not. I mean that's up to Jesus. But I just think that you get those two polar extremes right. of what we want, and the, 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 the bottom line, there's supposed to be a balance. There's a balance of, hey, there are things in here that right. make me – if the gospel never makes you uncomfortable, right? Never you never feel like, oh, I should change the way I think, the way I speak. Like I should be growing in this into the – I should be looking more like – the way that Jesus spoke and, and uh-huh. the way he treated people. I should have, you know, my, my judgmentalism. Like, it's constantly addressing those parts of me that are are broken and fallen, that he's redeeming. The way he redeems it is through those things. So if I don't ever have access to those things, I can't ever say it. I can't ever acknowledge it. And I only uh-huh. need encouragement. I mean, what am I being encouraged for exactly, Johnny? I don't know. I wish you would stop cursing so much on the sidelines. <laughs> I'm like the Donnie Tyndall. You are of, the Donnie Tyndall of ministry. Of ministry, I am. Do you think Rick, you know Rick Barnes pretty well now? You've had some interactions with him. Do you think he's a? Do you have you seen him? I've not any, seen him. I'm not seeing any Fifty Cent words on I'm the sidelines. Do side you watch him? him? Do you kind of? I watch. Keep an eye out. I watch. We won last night, by the way. Does he go? Golly, darn, darn guys! It. Gosh darn it, boys! 
Gee whiz. What Get you? your heads out of your keisters. Oh, wow. Keister. That's a good one. <laughs> <You> like <that. laughs> we, don't, we don't use keister enough anymore. I think it would be as jarring to say keister as what we would say now. Right. You know Some kid's like, what did that? Oh. You know, yeah. Yeah. This guy. This guy's. Call me a pain in the keister. Oh, my goodness. Get out of here. I think language is funny in that respect. Speaking yeah. of, by the way, yeah. language, there is something else I want to just sort of rant against for a second. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I know this is an entitled way of seeing the world. And I understand it means I put way too much confidence into technology. Okay. But specifically Apple Mail's mail program, email program, Uh whatever AI is supposedly learning and growing at an exponential pace. And I'm looking at you, Jeffrey, because for me, you represent technology. You defend it all the time. Okay. So Jeffrey is the singularity. I don't (laughs) – he is Skynet. He's what happens when all this goes. What I don't understand is if if it's constantly taking in what I am marking as junk Uh and what I'm not, and it's developing its own algorithm, it's making rules based upon it, then it's the dumbest piece of artificial intelligence. Of what it lets through versus what it rejects. For example – you who write the intros, uh-huh. email me the files that I drop in after you've listened to the episode. Uh-huh. You wrote an intro, emailed it to me. We do this every week. Yeah. You're my best friend for 25 years. Uh-huh. We email every week, and it sent your email to junk mail uh-huh. with a file for our shared podcast. Yeah. And in the same day, right. it allows things to come through that are written in Korean. I can't even read the language, and I literally have sent it to junk mail about 27 times, and it will keep bringing it into it while it takes – it doesn't mean all the time, Jeffrey. I'm sorry, and I need an explanation. I need you to get a hold of someone at Apple. I don't understand how – I'll be in the middle of a thread of 50 emails on a manuscript with a publisher, like my livelihood – and I'll be like, why is that email not come? And it'll be in junk mail. Uh, it's in the thread from someone. We've already been going back and forth. I need explanations. I want that preach. Got Sometimes I don't know how the it things will. that are familiar to us can get through because we have been letting too many Wait. Koreans through. <laughs> Wait a second. Why is John? I don't think that's what you. You're saying build a wall. I heard you. I... Here's the thing. <laughs> I always think it's interesting. The singularity always is something interesting to me because like – this is the it's, you know what the singularity is right. It's when AI becomes as smart as us. Right. Well, let me tell you something. Right now, and when I'm that happens, confident that is not happening. When that happens, they said that like the technology will double year over year because like so like now we're like I have a buddy who uh, has uh, prostate cancer and he's going to have prostate surgery and he goes it's being done by a robot. Yeah. So he'll have his prostate removed. They'll just lay him on a table and they'll set all their settings and then it'll be, and gone yeah. cancer gone. So. Like, that's something we just go, oh, robots do it better than us. But how long before, like, robots do everything better than us? So that's the singularity. Like, so, but here's the thing. In movies, it's always this thing of, like, the computers became self-aware and immediately started World War III. Right. Like, they get violent. But when we became self-aware as kids, it it didn't go that way. Like, when I became self-aware, I became self-conscious. Yeah. Like, oh, and I'm aware of myself, and I was like, I'm fat. <laughs> what if they, what if they hate themselves? Hate me. Right. What if a computer became self-aware, and I mean, it was like. Skynet's you know, like, why do I have these love handles? Right. Right. Do the other countries love me? Like, <laughs> would it, 
You know what I'm saying? That's what I want to see happen. Like the, the this, these computers, if they're really going to become more of humans, yeah. they need to have all of our hangups. Isn't that kind of what happened in the movie with Robert Williams, who was the robot? That was uh, I don't know. What was the name of that movie? There's a movie with Robin Williams as a robot? Johnny. I don't know. Yes. I don't know. Like, you're a huge movie guy. Hold on. I'm getting it off camera. Bicentennial, Bicentennial Man. Man. Well, that's not a gigantic film or something. Oh, it was my gosh, a, though. Johnny, you're the king successful. of, like, obscure I think movie. I, wor- I think I worked in a movie theater when that came out, too. Wow. I think it didn't go well. No, I don't think it went well, but he has this whole, like, yeah. he, he recognizes that there's limitations to his yeah. humanity, so he falls in love and wants yeah. to be human. So well, me, it's almost like the end of war games when it's like the only way to win is not to play. Like the whole thing shuts <laughs> down, you know, because the computer realizes we referenced like, war we games. launch against you, you launch against us, and eventually right. the whole world blows up, which we're kind of teetering on the edge of now. But it's like eventually the computer's like, no, and they just like shut, it like reboots the whole thing and takes us back to DEFCON 4, which somehow is the good one. Yeah. Don't you think that's interesting? I do. Curry was asking me that, she was like, DEFCON 4 is good. I go, yeah, DEFCON 1's the bad one. That means we're at war. At war. Yeah. It's kind of like those those whole, like, if you strongly disagree, put one yeah. instead of five. Right. You're like, wait a second. I don't. <laughs> there was a comedian talking about that, about how, like, he gets confused in the bookstore because it's like fiction is is not true and nonfiction is not not true. <laughs> Because <laughs> they should flip those. Like nonfiction should be the fake one, right? And fiction should be the real one. Like you're going, no, no, it's nonfiction. It's not not true. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. It's true. That's funny. Well, how do you think our inaugural uh, video podcast went? I felt more comfortable as we went along. The lights are, are new for us. It's a lot. This is a lot of light, yeah. but I get it because you want to see every undulation of the bags under my eyes. Yeah. I want to know if our – so one thing we – when this comes out uh, on YouTube, one thing it would really be helpful to us would be even if you're not going to you know all, all the time watch the video podcast, if you're one of our subscribers already, yeah. uh, go to YouTube and subscribe there. Click subscribe. Yeah. Leave a comment. That helps too. Yep. A lot of this is about us reaching more listeners and more people. And Leave YouTube a nice comment. That helps us yeah. not have our feelings hurt. Yeah, just because we're very sensitive as you found out. Uh-huh. We're like the robots that became self-aware. In the way that Johnny said, like, I'm not okay with myself. Yeah. uh, Yeah. So I'm shocked, by the way, you didn't know Bicentennial Man. Like, that really – the disappointment level. Well, when you said it, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. But I didn't see it. Yeah. It wasn't one that I was like, I got to go see Robin Williams as a robot. I can't believe you didn't see that. It was actually really kind of – it was it tugged at the old heartstrings. Kind of like – You know, when you watch movies now and you go, like, as an adult, you go, this is not – like it felt cool when you're watching it as like yeah. a twenty year old, oh, like like time. Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. Like now that you have a family, yeah. Does Mrs. Doubtfire not strike you differently? You're like, okay, so he's clearly the out of control parent. Like he's bringing ponies to parties and wrecking the house, and she's like, I'm done. You're yeah. crazy. So she kicks him out of the house. They get divorced or they're separated. Yeah. He sneaks back into the relationship by dressing up as an old English woman, <laughs> and deceives the kids and the yeah. whole family. Talk about trauma. Yeah. When they find out. And then somehow after it all is done, she's like, you know what? You went out on a limb here for these kids, and I'm going to give you visitation. Like, we're not going to stay together. Right. You're still – this was still crazy. But you know what? You showed me something here. And, like, they they remain friends. Like, that is well, – so, but they, well, his behavior was infuriating. But they played upon the aloof side, too, that he wasn't dependable. I, and he, I, now he wanted to be so dependable that no matter what, he'd be in their lives. That's the angle, Johnny. 
That's the angle. Um, and you know, listen, we want to be de- <laughs> we want to be dependable for you, <laughs> even if it means putting on a wig and falsies. That's right. We'll do it. And whatever we have to do, because we're on we're on camera now. There's no telling what we might do. If I keep eating, we might not need the falsies. <laughs> we're just, let's just I can, get, I can get back up to a B cup. I can do it. Oh my goodness! Listen, if you want to be disturbed through your childhood, watch the movies that made us, and watch the one on Ghostbusters. Oh yeah, I've watched it. Where it's you great. find out that Dan Aykroyd, his family actually was like deep into the occult and deep into like seances and calling up yeah, all these he people. He believes in that stuff. Yeah. And so like he wrote all that in there. It wasn't just like this. Oh, this will be. So it w- so that particular was like, oh, wow, we yeah. watched that. They're so, ghost hunters. They're yeah. weird people. So that, yeah, it was kind of real to him and it became a comedy. So anywho, yeah. Um, but hey, you know what, listener, this is a real show. Yeah. It really is. What's happening here? I mean, this is if not scripted. If you're listening on audio, uh, all of our podcast episodes are archived at talkaboutthatpodcast.com. Oh yep. But check us out on YouTube as well and uh, subscribe, and we're trying to grow that channel. So yep. this is uh, the inaugural voyage. It's Could it be the Titanic? We don't know. I don't know. Could it be the Lufthansa? What's a good boat? I can't remember um, what. What's a good, what's a good example boat? of a big ship? The yeah. love boat. Maybe it's the love boat. Yeah. Every week. I always good. think it's interesting on the love boat when they would get off and they would all have to tell like the summation of their story as they get off. Like, you know, the captain yeah. is there and they're like, well, we worked it out. We've decided to stay together. Like, I get off of boats all the time that never happen. They don't, there's there's never nobody a standing there waiting me. for like this. So and you're like, yeah, I had the shrimp. I had a lot of shrimp. Right. This cost me a lot of money. I'm not feeling very good. <laughs> Your COVID test was too expensive or whatever. But anywho, yeah, go subscribe. You can also check out Johnny um, at, on Instagram. Instagram and then just johnnyw.com. You can find all my social oh, media man, channels. Good, and I'm on TikTok website. now, so look out, wow. young people. Wow. I am out there doing ridiculous. No, there'll be some stand-up clips I'm putting on That's there sweet. soon. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm way more active on Instagram now. As well. And if you go to Instagram to my bio, you can find my link tree. It has all of my stuff, my website, all the stuff, the books, the interviews, all of it. And, uh, yeah, well, put, we've been putting out some reels, Johnny. We've been putting out some reels. <laughs> We're and, so uh, old. Yeah, it's happening. So, w- listen, guys, the fact that I'm putting out reels and Johnny's on TikTok, just expect those platforms to change any moment. Please, They're like, well, this Please was- like us and accept us. Yeah. That's all we want. They're like, well, now that John and Johnny are on there, that means it's time to invent something different. It is. officially brought. That's, I'll never forget that Snoop Dogg said that when he was on Conan one time. Conan was like, everybody's saying for shizzle and all the izzles. Do you like it? And he, he goes, they're like, how do you know in black culture when it's time to move on to a new thing? And he goes, oh, and white people start saying it. <laughs> <laughs> it was just such a funny, like, instant reaction. Like, of course. Yeah. yeah, that's when we yeah, know it's we not know. cool anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. And we know we're not cool anymore, no, listeners, but no. please continue to listen and watch and yeah. and share it. Well, you know, we're coming up, coming up on episode 200. Yeah. It's coming up very fast. And we have a very special interview planned very soon. Uh, it's going to be remote, but with some really cool guys. So We call uh, that a tease in the industry. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be happening in the next two weeks, so be excited about that. So, listener, thank you, as always, for being a part of it. Should I look at the camera now? No, just well, this is fine. We'll yeah. Hey, thanks for always being a part of it with us, and we'll see you next week on Talk About That. The love of God is immeasurable, it's unchanging, it's indescribable. Because God loves you so much, you can sleep through the night 
in peace. With Abide Bible Sleep Meditation, you can fall asleep fast with relaxing sleep stories based on Scripture. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Bible Sleep Meditation. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.